0: If you would, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. We'll read from there in just a moment. On May 8th, 1945, almost 80 years ago, the victory over Europe Day was celebrated during World War II, uh, and particularly for the Allied troops. But prior to what is known as V.E. Day, on April 8th, 15th, 22nd, 29th, and May 7th, those dates held the liberation of five of the largest concentration camps in Europe during World War II. The way those horrific stories are told is that upon learning that they were set free, many of the Jewish people, And others who had been in those camps were so traumatized that they were not even really able to rejoice or to celebrate. It was as if they they couldn't comprehend freedom because it had been so wrongly taken from them. Certainly the the horror of that memory and those, those ideas, even the Generations later, descendants later, think back about what happened to their parents and grandparents and great grandparents. So interestingly, as we look to this text today, look at this this sermon, uh, there is an intentional effort on Moses' part to help the people of Israel celebrate. Because certainly what would have been happening to them after uh, generations of slavery, they're, they're having to be reminded that, that freedom needs celebrating. It's it cause for rejoicing. Moses doesn't want to wait for the, the trauma to subside For them to rejoice instead he wants to help the people fix their eyes on the one true God right in the moment and so Moses sings this song and and particularly reminds them that there is no one like God I want to go ahead and give you this right now right if if you miss the rest of the sermon Hopefully, you don't, but if you were to, particularly for those of you who have an extra small person uh, that could distract you for the next 20 or 30 or don't, well, let's we'll just say next few minutes. If you miss everything else, I want you to catch this. There is no one else like our God. There's no one else knows something else. No one can save like him. No one can love like him. No one can win like him. There just isn't another one like him. No one is strong like him, powerful like him. He is it. There is no one like our God. In fact, that's what it says in verse 11, which we'll get to in just a second. But but it says, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? He's asking that question because the answer is there is no one like you. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? So let's do this. Let's let's read the song of Moses. How appropriate for Moses, our Moses, to be leading us in song on the day we are studying the song of Moses. Verse 1. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. O Lord, among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So, in that same effort today, might we praise the Lord, give him the glory that he deserves. We want to first do that. We want to praise the Lord for his actions, for the work that he does, right? Again, I, th- I think about these, this, this early verse, first verse. In fact, it's, it's verse 1, and it's also uh, the, the last thing said in verse 21. Uh, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he's thrown into the sea. Then even uh, th- more description comes. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts, he cast into the sea. He, he's done this work. Your right hand is glorious in power. Your right hand shatters the enemy. Greatness of your majesty. You've overthrown adversaries. You've sent out flurry fury. You've consumed. You've sent blasts. You've piled up waters. You've flooded. You've put, sent to the deep. You've done all of these things over and over. The Lord is a man of war. Some translations say the Lord is a warrior. I don't know what picture comes to your mind when you think warrior. In fact, hey kids, if you are looking for something to draw today, this would be something I would love for you to draw. Draw what you think of when you think a warrior. Maybe that looks like a knight to you. Maybe you can draw someone with a sword or uh, a bow and arrow or a spear. There are lots of different types of wars, soldiers maybe. But I want you to remember that the Lord is a warrior. And he fights against a spiritual enemy that always, always shows his strength and power as the man of war that the Lord is. It says in verse 12, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. You triumph gloriously. These are, this is a a description of of winning the battle. And uh, this is because, maybe as a, a reminder, he won the battle against the enemy. Moses isn't taking credit for this win, is he? He's not saying, you know, I'm really glad I held up my staff just long enough. I'm really glad that uh, I, I did such a good thing in leading the people out of Israel. God, I'm, I'm so glad of, of my effort here. Uh, no, he's pointing over and over and over and over again that the Lord is the winner of the battle. battle the, it is the Lord who is the warrior, not Moses. It's the Lord who is the warrior, not Aaron. It is the Lord who is the warrior. Not even any of the people of Israel. None of them are getting or taking credit from this. And and some of you today, you you might need to remember that truth. That Christ has already won the victory. You know, we've talked about that most recently Good Friday and Palm Sunday and Easter, and, and th- remembering that Jesus' death on the cross is our victory, and so we don't we don't live for victory, we live from victory, right? So we live in a in a uh, a state of already considered champions, victorious because Christ has already won. Not because we held up the staff long enough or because we wielded the sword well enough, but because Christ has already won. Last last night, um, a couple hundred uh, people gathered here, joined together to pray and to worship together. It was a a really great time, uh, a special time of prayer and worship. In fact, a few Wednesday nights ago, there was kind of a, a change of plans. We had an impromptu, so to speak, time together as a church. Where again, another couple hundred people came together to pray and to worship. Uh, there was uh, not a huge surprise if you know me, but there were not. I was not the only one crying. Uh, there were there were tears of joy. There were tears of sadness. There was grief. There was uh, again celebration of each other and and the church family uh, that that we are. Any of y'all remember that a couple few weeks ago? Um, yeah, I remember last Sunday night as well. And I just want to say this, tonight, uh, we will be having another one of those times of prayer and worship, similar to uh, the one we had a, a few Wednesday nights ago. Um, we're going to come together again with plans to confess to God, to ask God for help, to ask God for healing, to ask God to to provide what only he can to praise him for his good work. And uh, I, I want to particularly invite you to be back. Again, uh, We had a, I, I know sometimes when you hear a night of prayer, uh, you think, okay, that's my chance to not be here. But I'm, I'm telling you, it is a worthwhile endeavor for us to say, let's be together as a family of faith, calling out to the one true God. We all said, amen. We said, there's no one like our God. So let's join together in calling out to him. In fact, if if you weren't here either that last Sunday night or Wednesday night and you're kind of wondering, ask somebody else who was, and I'm pretty sure they'll tell you it was worth it. It's, It's worth being back together with the family of God, pleading out, like just seeking his face. We can cry out to him in this way because he's proved himself worthy of our cries. And the people cry out to him. What does he bring? He brings victory over the enemy. He conquers. He rules. He reigns. So our, our, when we need the enemy to be defeated, why would we go anywhere else but to him? So he, he is one who has won the battle against the enemy And he led his people to the rescue. Look at at verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. You you rescued. You see, what, what we notice here is that the Lord didn't simply take out the enemy. He also rescued the people, so it was both and, right? He actually rescued them from the charging enemy. He could have just wiped the enemy out, but he, he doesn't take them out and then send the Israelites back around the sea again, right? No, he, he takes them across the Red Sea and allows them to see the destruction of their enemy. Nobody's chasing you anymore. We've we've won. Certainly, there are some battles, even battles in Scripture, that come with casualties, right? Even by the the winning side. I mean, you you, you think, I just mentioned World War II. You think about the amount of casualties that the allied troops had, right? It doesn't matter what war you talk about, Civil War, American Revolution, Pick, pick a war and both sides have losses. But not in this one. The, the people of God walk across on dry land and there's zero indication that there's a straggler who is a little slower that the Lord let had, had them be destroyed along with them, right? No, the, all of the people of Israel make it across the Red Sea. And then all of the Egyptian army destroyed. He grants complete and total victory. All of the Israelites make it across. He led his people to rescue. You know, uh, after the Passover, when, when Pharaoh sends them away, they're still kind of in this uh, running, you would think. Everything was intended to be in haste, right? Everything was like even, they were supposed to eat quick so that they could go quick. They're supposed to be ready to go, move fast. And so certainly it would have felt like, uh, is, he, is he really gonna go? Is he gonna come back and get us? So there's like that cloud, not the pillar of cloud, but the, like a cloud kind of hanging over their head. Like, is he re- he's gonna come get us. He's gonna come get us. He's gonna come get us. And now? They just saw the destruction of their enemy. And so Moses is leading them to remember, to to celebrate who their rescuer is. Praise God for the actions that he has taken, for the things that he has done. You know, sometimes that's the easier thing for us to praise God for, right? Right? It's the easier things to, to say, God, you did this thing for me. I, I have salvation because of you, so thank you for saving me. I have family because of you, so thank you for my family. I have a roof over my head. I have food on my table. Thank you for giving me a roof and food. But what, what Moses also does here, is he calls the people not just to praise God for what he does, for his actions, but to praise the Lord for his attributes. You know, uh, if, right, that, that song said it so well, if you never did another thing for me, you're still good. Like, God's goodness is not predicated on our receiving his grace. He's just good. This is, this is why, like verse 11 again, who is like you, a Lord among the gods? There's no one else like him. The, the comparison is, doesn't even happen. We, we work, like we work actually to try to understand Hebrew words and Greek words, uh, to understand how they try to describe God, but, but even their language, as thorough as it may be, and as our language continues to grow, we are still short of, uh, uh, let me try to think of the right way, uh, the right words to describe, like sufficient words to describe how great he is. Right? Th- that's why we, we have to just sometimes say there's, there's no one like you. <laughs> Paul says this to Timothy. He says like there's, you're, you're, you're alone in, in who you are. A.W. Pink calls that the solitariness of God. That he stands alone, that there's no one else we can even, there's not another character, not another person, not another animal, creature, anything that we can say, oh, he's, he's like that. And, and so here's some of the things that Moses points to. He says, he is our strength. Verse two, right? The Lord is my strength. I want you to hear again how strong he is described as even in these verses. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. But you can almost, right here, you, you you could put the word but. But instead, you blew with your wind, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. This, this mighty army, right, they're saying, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to overtake, and, and really, a military force versus what we would kind of call civilians, right? Of course, we know who's going to win that. And what Moses is saying here, even even though that was their mindset, they were in full military speed. We're going to, I'm going to draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. But God, you did this instead. You showed your strength, your power. You triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, they were thrown into the sea. Nobody else can do that. He is our strength. No one else can be your strength. Maybe you needed to remember that because maybe you've been trying to find your strength in a spouse or a parent. Maybe you've been trying to find your strength in your work. Maybe if I can just show, maybe you're just trying to look at it in yourself. I'll be strong enough. I'll be tough enough. I'll be smart enough. I'll be, I can do it. No, the Lord is our strength. And he is our song. Verse two, still, the Lord is my strength and my song. What does that even mean? I was was thinking about that. We've talked about in a class uh, Jerry and I teach on, on Wednesday nights that it's good to ask questions of the text. <laughs> like when you, when you look at it and you're like, oh, we've, we've just been saying that for so long that it just kind of gets spoken and we maybe don't even think to pause and ask, what does that mean? So I did that. What does it mean when, it, when the Lord to be your song? The phrase can be translated, the Lord is my praise. That's one way to look at it. Like, uh, he's the, the one I'm going to praise. He is the highest praise that I can offer. I can speak to him. I like, I like the saying the Lord is always the subject of the song I sing. Think of it that way, right? He's the, he kind of gets to the heart of the matter. You know, when you, um, when you talk to somebody, who is first falling in love. I'm looking around the room, some of you getting really close to getting married or you're newlyweds. It's like they're walking on air, right? It's it's glorious. They're a little bit giggly, a little bit more rosy cheeked all the time. It's like, I'm in love, I'm in love. I don't care who knows it, right? It's, it's that just all the time. In in the Disney classic Cinderella, there is this scene the morning after the ball. Okay, she her you know the silver, the glass slipper falls off. She she's back home and she's got all of the laundry of her stepsisters and her wicked stepmother, and she's carrying this dirty laundry basket and to these other three women in the house who do not like her, but she is humming a song. It's, the song is So This Is Love, right? I'm not going to sing that one right now. And, and she's walking down, and it's when the stepmother realizes something happened. She, like, that's when she locks the door, the whole thing. Spoiler alert. But uh, they, they notice something about Cinderella has changed. She is, she, her, her tune, and she was always a sweet person. She was always taking care, of, but oh, no, no, no. It's like walking on air. It's something is different. It's like she found the theme for her song. Cinderella would have said of her Prince Charming, you are my song. And that new couple would say to each other, you are my song so now hear this celebration again when the israelites when moses leads them to say the lord is my song the lord is my praise he's the theme of my song he's the he's everything i want everything i need i'm not asking For you, when we began to sing, to start swaying and carrying dirty laundry down the hallway. Don't make some direct application that is not being made here. But it would be good that maybe your face matched the words you're saying. Right? That you you sing. When you, the Lord is, in fact, we're going to sing the song, the Lord is my salvation. Like, he is our rescuer. He's our deliverer. Oh, praise him. This is what we're talking about. When we're talking about the Lord is my song. Which leads us to the the next part, right? He is our salvation. Just looking at the next part of verse 2. The Lord is my strength, he is my song, and he has become my salvation. In fact, Moses goes on and says, this is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God. When he says, my father's God, he's speaking specifically toward the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? This is a a phrase that would have intentionally meant that he was pointing back to, like, hey, this is our God. This is the one, like our people's God, the the one that we're singing about, the one who is our salvation, the one who is our rescue, the one who is our song, the one who is strength for us. It's the one that has been our God for the last generation after generation after generation. The one who took us to Egypt in the first place that we could still be alive. This is the same God. He's pointing to how long God has been God essentially saying God has always been God. This is, he's always been the God of salvation. You see, the the theme, if you you wanted to ask, what is the theme of God's word overall? Like the book, the Bible, it's redemption, right? Basically from Genesis three, when the fall happens, From then on, it's a story of redemption. How are we getting back to that? Until like the end of Revelation when it happens. Right? So everything's going back. We're redeeming, rescue, salvation. In fact, most books in the Bible, you could point to and say, it's just another part of the piece of redemption. Once again, the Lord saves. Once again, the Lord rescues. Even there's a book where there's no mention of God, and the theme is still that God is redeeming. This is who he is. Even his name, when we say, like, Jesus, his name means the Lord saves, Yahweh saves, God rescues. This is who he is. I wonder if you're here today and you you've never you've never acknowledged that the Lord is salvation. That the Lord is the way for you to be redeemed, for you to be rescued. Taken out of slavery to sin. Taken out of the bondage. Taken out of eternity in hell. If that's never happened, then today, today, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. He is salvation. He is offering this to you. And for those of you who are in the room who hear this week after week after week, and you are a follower of Christ, don't let that statement grow dull for you. Do you catch this? Okay, you didn't cross the Red Sea. You went from death to life, right? We're we're talking about, maybe even more miraculous than the parting of the Red Sea. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins, and now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus because he is your salvation. Oh, like this has to stir in us something. And there, there are countless people who don't know this. You just think, like, they're standing on the, on the edge of the Red Sea. But it's not just water. It's an eternity apart from God. And we have the way. We, we know that Jesus offers salvation. So tell him. You speak it. You you tell them the truth. It's worth awkward. It's worth uncomfortable. It's worth uh, losing your job, losing your family, losing your friends. It's worth people knowing that there's a way of salvation. And I want to point to one other piece here of who God is. He is our sovereign. Verse 18. In fact, uh, I would I would circle this verse in your Bible or underline or highlight it or something. The Lord will reign forever and ever. I always love it when they put the and ever. By definition, forever needs no other ever. Right? It's already forever. The reason we do that is to emphasize the forever. Just in case you were wondering, it's forever and always. It's forever and ever. And then you, those people who add the and ever and ever and ever and ever, like, not necessary. It's like adding extra exclamation points. But that's in, that's the point. Is that's how long forever is going to be. He will not ever not be, I uh-huh, know all the negatives. He will not ever not be the Lord. He will always be the Lord. There will never be a time within time that He is not the Lord. And any time when there is no more time being counted, that He he will always be the Lord. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Now if if I'm the people of Israel, Certainly, I, right in that moment, I, I look back at the, the Red Sea collapsing in on the, the, my enemy, and I, I think, man, God sure is in control. But it was just seemingly minutes ago that I looked and I was, I was afraid. And it didn't feel like then that they were saying God is sovereign, does it? I mean, look back at the text and what they were saying before. Why didn't we just die in Egypt? God didn't feel very sovereign to them. Sovereign, one ruler. They felt like Pharaoh was a ruler. They didn't feel like he was sovereign. I, I think about the, the Jews that I mentioned earlier in, in the 1940s. They didn't feel like God was sovereign. you might be walking through something in your life and maybe certainly not as drastic as the Holocaust or a lifetime of slavery in a foreign land, but you might feel like the Lord doesn't seem very sovereign to you. Because in your mind, you're thinking, if he was sovereign, if he was in control, this wouldn't be happening to me. I wouldn't be going through this heartache, this hardship, this challenge medically or physically or financially or in my marriage or in my, with my children. But notice that Moses' song here doesn't point out all the things that God doesn't do. Moses' song doesn't go back and say, well, you didn't do this fast enough or quick enough, or in the time I wanted you to. Nope. All Moses does here, it's filled with a celebration of who God is and how God works. And and no matter what you would choose for the situation or circumstance that you are currently in, God is always on the throne. He's always the one offering the way of salvation. He's your only hope. It's your only chance. The very theme of the word is redemption. The theme is that the Lord saves. So if he's already won... If he's already conquered the enemy, then you can know that whatever it is you're going through, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns over it all. So praise him. Give him the glory that he deserves. Would you stand with me as we respond to him?